Today I must insist that there was no foreign interference, no possibility of interference, no intention or means of interference at or through the Trudeau Foundation. There may not be any interference, but you do have to follow the dollar. And um, I'm not sure if uh, Alexander Trudeau would see the interference because it was very clear he also has a very warm and um, um, kind of fond memories of, of China. Uh, that was clear. But there's a whole bunch of moving parts on this file. So I want to bring Margaret McQuag Johnston into this conversation, former senior government official who worked at China on China issues and now senior fellow at the uh, Graduate School of Public and International Affairs over at the University of Ottawa. Great to have you, Margaret. Good to be back with you. Whole bunch of stuff that happened yesterday. Let me start. What did you, was there any takeaway? Um, for me, I'd look at the Alexander Trudeau stuff politically. Was there anything in there that concerned you and stood out? Well, the, what I was watching for was whether uh, Alexandra Trudeau had talked to his brother about this donation and and about uh, you know the, these uh, these wealthy donors. And he said he did not. Um, However, the prime minister would have known uh, about the donation just from from you know general publicity of it, and uh, therefore you know have general warm feelings. But so what it tells me is there was not direct influence, but no doubt that there was general um, uh, influence. Part of part of the aura that the, that China has tried to create with the Prime Minister and his family, and using Pierre Trudeau's past history with China um, to buffer, you know, the, mm-hmm. the warm connections. And, you know, the fact that uh, Zhang, uh, this, this uh, donor, was at a fundraiser for the Prime Minister to get a photo uh, mm-hmm. suggests that he wanted to use that to demonstrate that he does have influence with the Prime yeah. Minister. And this is someone who Alexander Trudeau says is an honorable man. Yeah, I, that got a, a bunch of um, kind of chuckles, if not fear. The other thing um, that happened yesterday certainly was the Prime Minister. Now all of a sudden they realize, oh, it was Monday when we learned about it because we watched it on the news that this happened to Michael Chong. And I simply, and you've worked in, in that side of it, I have a very hard time, uh, and, and Richard Madden has a very hard time, former head of Physesis, believing that for two years uh, no one went and, and no department because they would have told Global Affairs, they would have told the top advisors of the Prime Minister. There were a number of departments that apparently got this report. It's hard to think that for two years everyone sat on this and didn't tell those who were in charge. Yes, uh, and, and I find that really disturbing. Um, it was interesting that Minister Mendocino in, in the question period was asked mm. almost a dozen times when he learned of it. And it would have been natural for him to say, I learned about it on Monday and I was as appalled as every other Canadian. But he didn't answer the question at all. He, he, yeah. Repeatedly, he turned to what we're doing on China for inter- interference in general. And so that tells me that he did know. And that didn't, he didn't do anything about it. And now, as you say, days later, um, the government is saying that this was a CSIS decision. And therefore, mm. you, you know, you infer this is CSIS's fault. Yeah. And they have blamed public servants before for things like this. You know, the, the fact that the RCMP used a Chinese telecom company for their most sensitive uh, communications equipment. 
uh, is another example where the the, uh, government blamed public servants. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, you can only blame them so much. They'll turn around and say, really, you want to blame us? Here's the document because we did show you. Uh, and so all of this, I mean, Marco Mendocino is, is starting to take on the appearance of Baghdad Bob. I mean, it's it's I don't even think he realizes that it's he's so un, completely unbelievable. Um, the other part of this, and I, I think it's fairly significant or very significant, is a Toronto Star reporting that Waterloo, uh, who the rapporteur um, had a very warm and cozy relationship as president and certainly uh, setting up a lot of uh, relationships between China and the university. They have now cut their Huawei deal. Um, and what does that signal to you? Do you, do you see this as a, a change? Well, it's a big change, and it was the right thing for them to do. They've now taken the lead among universities to cut their partnerships with Huawei. This is primarily due to Huawei's um, uh, many, many links with the military in China uh, mm. through their own employees and through collaborations they, they have. Um, and I think other universities are going to follow Waterloo's lead. It's going to be difficult for researchers to do without this money. So the government, I think, they didn't give money to universities in the last budget, and they should do that now. And also other com- companies that are more trusted partners with Canada, like Ericsson and Nokia, they've both recently made announcements about uh, increased funding in Canada. And so I think some of that can move in to fill that void. You know, this is one of those stories. It's so complicated. And now it's broken into about 10 15 different narratives. So it's not really one story. It's a number of different stories that all seem to be kind of cresting at the same time. So a lot of people get lost in this and the nuances of it. What is, um, you know, what is it that sticks out for you as, as the, the, the biggest concern? I mean, there are, I know there are many, but what right now, um, you know, do you, like Terry Glavin, see this as a tipping point? Uh, or what is it that you feel is, is the thing that we should be most concerned about? Well, I'm most concerned about going into our next election without knowing whether um, China is uh, undertaking uh, illegal campaign donations, as they've done in the past, as it's been shown from the leaks, uh, and and disinformation campaigns that could make candidates lose. There are a whole range of things that they've been accused of uh, in the CSIS reports that have been leaked by some brave or several brave uh, public servants. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the fact that we don't have a fix for this yet is mm-hmm. really concerning, and, uh, and we need a public inquiry, but we also need shorter-term measures that will go into place yeah. before the next election to, to fill in some of these uh, gaps in our system. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this nonsense that we need to have consultations on a foreign, you know, registry are just utterly ridiculous. And the prime minister could expedite all of this. Um, but as you know, uh, they're not. And the other thing is they talk all these tools they have with ENSICOP and all that stuff. That's great. But ENSICOP two years ago made a number of recommendations that they could have put in, like the registry, and they ignored all of it. So it's great that they've put these tools in. But if they don't listen to them, there's no point. That's right. And, and the measures they've put in place all report to the prime minister. They're not yeah, independent, yeah. which is why we need uh, a, a really fast uh, public inquiry. Yep. Stay tuned. Might have to call you again, Margaret, depending on what we <laughs> what breaks overnight. Thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me. There you go. So lots to unpack there. Margaret McQuaig Johnston uh, joining us here.